Okay, so we're in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. I'm just going to kind of continue reading down through this. Um, Again, just as a reminder, um, we're looking for those little things along the way. There's a lot here that we, that, uh, and clearly because it's taken us several weeks even just to kind of get to here, there's a lot of things in here. So it's likely that if you were to read this again and again and again, that you would, um, see things that don't get pointed out in this class today. So I would encourage you to, um, if you ever find yourself um, in a place to where you um, feel as a believer that you are weighed down, that you have made too many mistakes, that you have um, wasted this life, or if you ever find yourself with those ty- types of thoughts, I would encourage you, um, go and look at Jesus after um, the resurrection. Um, he is the first fruits of the resurrection that we are partakers of, and, and in that we have um, we have hope as we live out this life, whether it be um, fears for tomorrow or the problems of today. Um, our hope in the resurrection is so central to this, and we can look and see Jesus, and I think even in the little details and the mundane things um, that, that we see about about you know like him partaking in that um, there's a great hope in that for us so let's continue kind of pressing through there verse 36 as they were talking so a little context from last week um, Jesus was um, kind of meeting two believers walking with them um, passing time with them eating with them um, their eyes were um, kind of kept from realizing who he was for most of that and to the end. Um, and then um, now they've here come um, and we're kind of getting another uh, appearance here following up after that. So verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood, am- stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. As you would be, like as I'm looking at this, and I think about like they're hearing these, they're hearing these things. Like, what makes the most sense in this case, right? Like, is it practical that someone came back from the dead, right? Like, all signs would tend to point to no there, right? So, like, your first thought if you saw somebody that looked like Jesus would be that you're seeing a vision or that like this is a ghost or some spirit or something because dead people stay dead. That's just a historical reality. When you die, you'll be dead. And if someone was like, I saw you or I saw like them the other day, everyone around you would be like, that's foolish because what we know is dead people stay dead so when they see him they have that same natural reaction um they were startled frightened they thought they saw a spirit and he said to them again like these small things like jesus is speaking with them this new resurrection body uh that he has it speaks it works in the world that we um are familiar with um and kind of from that i would i would kind of conclude that when we're when we see and have this hope in a new heaven new earth that that earth is going to likely operate in a similar um capacity as to this one because christ's body seems to interact with um the world around us so i think we could safely conclude that that world would would likely um 
hold to the same like physical principles and properties um, that we can discover and understand um, through the pursuit of science or something like that. Um, so he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then what does he do in verse 39? He says, see my hands and my feet that it is I myself. So like um, he's putting his body forward here for them to like, like Russ, like it's me. Yeah. It's me, right? Like, it, like, how do you know, how do you know that it's me? You touch me, right? Like your eye, you may think, well, my eyes, like my eyes have betrayed me. Yo, it's me. <laughs> it's me, right? Right? Like if you interact with me, right? Then, then what your eyes see, now you understand to be more real. You can, you can reach out and touch it. Jesus extends himself like this. See my hands and my feet. That, the feet thing to me, it's like, is he going like this? I don't, I don't know how he's like putting that forward, like touch my feet. I, I don't know how that would work exactly. But he's, he's just like, look, it's me, guys, right? It's me. He says, touch me and see. And then what does he say here? Verse 39. Now we know that Jesus is spirit. God is spirit, right? But Jesus makes a distinction here, right? That he wants us to, as we read this, to realize that he is flesh and bone, as we are flesh and bone, except in clearly in some very spectacular ways, like because his flesh and bone is not corruptible. It does not break down. It does not die now. Like, um, and even as we see him kind of exalted and lifted up in the book of Acts in a little bit, the wording of that text is clear to, to let us know that in the way that he ascended up, he will descend down. Like there's not like this, he's not a different thing now than he was then, right? He is in the flesh today. Um, and again, like even when I say that, like I'm like, I don't know how that works. I want to be honest with you, right? Like I don't know to where he went apart from where we see at the right hand of God, and right. But like, how does that interact with the real world that we're in? That that flesh and bone interact. Like that's one of those things where it's like it's a great mystery to me how that would be. But but Scripture does not say that he became something else in the ascension. Right? Like that his body was like let go of and now he's not in the flesh. Like it does not say this. And even the picture of him ascending is like very specific in the way that it speaks about the ascension so that you don't think that he, that he vaporized, but he was instead engulfed by a cloud. And then we're told that in the way that he went, he'll come. So like he's flesh and bones. <clears throat> He says, for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So he's wanting to point out to, him, to, to his believer, these believers in verse 40 here that he is not just a, a manifestation, not just a spirit, not just a ghost, not just a vision, but that he is raised flesh and bone. So, verse, verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? So there's a couple of things that, um, that I point out here. Like, have you, has, have you ever experienced something in life so amazing that you would, 
Like legitimately say to yourself, that is absolutely unbelievable. Like it's, un- like it's real. I acknowledge that it's real, but it is unbelievable. It is unfathomable. I, my brain is not processing this information and how this could be true right now. When they saw him, when they touched him, they had this type of experience. Scripture tells us here, they were still disbelieving, not because it was like, I'm going to need a little more information, right? This is not a, a case where they're like, okay, so you let me touch the hands, you let me touch the feet, like, can I see what your hair feels like? Like, like like, what is this? Like, is this a mask? Like, this is not a form of disbelief that's like, I don't believe it, man. Right? That's not the type of disbelief that we're talking about here. They were utterly amazed at what they were seeing, that their brains could not process the reality before them. Right? That's what it means here when it says, they were still, or and while they still disbelieved for joy. Like, they saw him. It was like, the impossible is possible right? That's the moment. They experienced this moment in their, in their minds. Now, the resurrection had already occurred, but this is that moment where it clicks, right? Like, we're, like I, I oftentimes ask myself or consider how it is that cowards became the bravest individuals in history, because every one of Jesus's followers were absolute cowards. Cowards. I'm going to tell you this today. If someone walked in here and tried to take my child who I love, I'm dying there. I'm not running. I'm not running. When you love someone, you're fearless for that. They claimed love for him. No, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. And they all, cowards, cowards. We are so much like them in the way that we live Something happened. Something happened. Something clicked in their minds that cowards were willing to die. This is that kind of disbelief for joy, right? This is unbelievable. This changes everything. The dead rise. I touched him, right? What can men do to me when I saw my Savior and touched Him? Can they take my life? He will raise it back. This is that kind of hope, right? Like, this, like you, see, you see this in church history, right? Like, if you just kind of do a survey of church history, what you see is the reality that's clicked. Now, for them, they were... I mean, this is, a, this is a great blessing that they were able to see and touch. But, but when Christ ascended and he sends his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit gives the same kind of confirmation to us that that seeing and feeling does for them, right? Like, we're going to get into the Holy Spirit in, a, in another study, and we'll, we're going to see this. Like, m- the world explodes more. From, from the work of Christ, by Christ coming, showing himself to these people over the 40-day period that he's here, ascending, sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit making true in every believer for every generation the reality of what they saw to the point that believers from then till now have been willing to lay their lives down for this reality, that Christ is raised. 
right? That Christ is raised. So um, they were still disbelieving for joy, marveling, like as just I could just sit and think about that one verse for hours and go down so many rabbit trails about what it must have felt like, right? Like what it must have felt like to have had the wind so sucked out of your sails that you saw this man and you thought that he was going to set up the kingdom of Israel in the world, right? Like you saw this coming and then he's struck down, dead. All your hope in that, all your investment in this man, seemingly for nothing. And then you see him and you touch him and how that turn must have felt. Right? How it must have felt to know that if this guy tells me to do anything, I can do it. Right? There's nothing that he can send me on. There's no mission where he can point me towards that, that he cannot support me in it. And if it costs my life, I know the one who gives them back. Right? And this is something that like scripture points us to, the history of the church points us to. Like this is a marvelous thing. That, that thing that is in fact impossible. By man, it is impossible. When you die, you are dead, right? We can resuscitate you, but when you're, when you're put in the, in the, in the grave, no one's anticipating your return. This is a marvelous thing that's happened in history. Have you anything to eat that he says? So they're there like, I can imagine the ruckus, like the, like how loud the room must have been, just in excitement and marveling. And Jesus has already eat because he was walking and it's like there's the breaking of bread already. So Jesus is like, hey, you got anything to eat? Like, again, like whenever I see him do this, I'm like, why is it that he's doing? Why, does, why do the authors of Scripture feel the need? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire them to put it down in here that he was hungry and looking for something to eat? Right? Why is that? I think, I think as I consider this, like all the things that they could have mentioned and them mentioning like him eating is that the authors of scripture want to point out to us the realness of this resurrection. You have not seen with your physical eyes the risen Savior, right? You have not seen him with your physical eyes, right? What you know of the resurrection you find in scripture. That's how we know about this so like where they could touch him we will touch him but right right now you're not so you read this and what does it say to me whenever i see jesus eating i'm like that's normal things that human beings do right so although there is so much miraculous in the resurrection, right? The most miraculous, because in fact dead men stay dead. This is the most miraculous event, right? That, that a man who has died has come back, and yet what we see is a regular, ordinary thing that he's doing with this, right? And this gives hope, again, for me, not just because I enjoy food, um, because whenever I read this, I'm like, if he's eating here and he ascended and he's coming, he's going to return in the same way that he ascended, then I'm thinking like when he gets back, he's going to be like, hey, where's the fish? <laughs> right? Like he's going to be, he's going to be 
eating still. He did not change, right? Like he is still physically embodied in this resurrection body that we hope for. So he eats. We could anticipate that like, here's the thing. Like I think about this. Um, I've got a wild imagination. I will, I will admit to that. But I think about how cool it will be um, when we get into eternity and I say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I'm going to have Adrian and Deb over to my house tonight and they're going to throw down in the kitchen. And to think that Jesus might find pleasure in the cooking of people that we know here today, right? And that he might say, I'll bring the fish, right? Like, he's going to be like, because it's like, if he, he's already like, he's preparing, we'll see, we're going to see him preparing food. Like, think about that. Think about that. How many of you have ever thought that in heaven Jesus was going to make you fish? Like, it'd probably be the best fish if, if it's not the best fish. <laughs> he already knows. <laughs> However, <laughs> eat it anyway. <laughs> so he's eating fish. Like, they're marveling. They're marveling. He's like, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took... And he ate it before them, right? So, like, uh, again, I'm, he, he's like, I'm telling you, spirits don't have flesh and bone. I do. Touch me. Feel. See? Again, like, do spirits eat? No. Do they digest food? No. If you, I, I don't, I've never seen this in person, but I would imagine if a spirit were to throw a piece of broiled fish in what looked like to be a, you know, a manifestation of a face, it would probably go straight through their head and land on the floor somewhere behind them because they're immaterial. Jesus eats fish, swallows fish, digests fish, right? Like, he's showing this to them so that they see the realness of the resurrection. Like, why else would it be there? Because it's wasting space where you could tell about the miraculous. Why else would you put it in there? Except for us to realize that the resurrection is real. The physical... Jesus understands our physical need for affirmation. Yeah. Approved in the simplest way. For sure. Yeah. Became flesh, so he understood our flesh. He understands, understood Thomas's need. Put his hand there. Yeah. I just think, you know, he goes into the miraculous, like explaining the scriptures to them after he meets their physical need for truth. Like, yeah. They need to know. Sometimes we, like, I think God works in physical miracles for that reason. He keeps that alive. Yeah, for sure. Even among today. That he heals. I mean, I know that there were lots of things like the disbelief for joy was when Chelsea was completely well from a brain tumor. I saw the brain tumor. It was like seeing death and then seeing life and no problems. And here, 
Yeah, and consider this, like when when you, because I think probably everybody could consider a moment where, like, if they reflected back on it, they were it was one of those amazements for for dis, like you disbelieved for joy, just pure amazement. Consider this, it's like for every moment like that, our rational minds could find other directions, right? Like. Maybe the body did it itself. The bodies, we don't have, I mean, we understand it pretty well, but it's like there are still things that occur within it that are like, you know, like science has no answer for that, but it could be natural. It like hurt, like it could be miraculous, right? But if, if, but if I'm one who's not inclined to the miraculous, I can find ways that it would be natural. Here's the reality of a resurrect, resurrected Jesus, right? Is that there's a no natural occurrence of this, right? Like, so like the amount of marvel that we have in our minds over things that we could like rationalize the miracles away... Imagine that, right? Imagine just how much greater than the ones that we can... Because we do that, right? Or maybe I'm the only one that, like, I'll see it and I'll be like, that's a miracle, but then I'll, like, I'm going to put the miracle card in my pocket because it sometimes it sounds crazy, right? So we'll, we can find rational ways to, like, get around that miraculous event, like, in our minds at least, right? This is an event so miraculous that the occurrence rate of it in history is one right now right like it's so far out there that it's occurred once because Lazarus wasn't this right Lazarus was brought back to life to die again Jesus was raised to never die incorruptible imperishable right like a completely new kind of human, except he eats fish. He talks with his believers. He has memories of the past, right? Like, consider this. Like, we think that we forget everything, and Jesus is approaching Peter three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you think that that comes from anywhere? Right? Like, Jesus understands the reality of what occurred to him and how it lines up with Scripture, right? Like, all of this. Like, it's, it's so amazing how the miraculous... But my fear is that oftentimes when we consider eternity, we only consider the miraculous while our flesh says, you're real, flesh and bone. And Jesus is saying it's no less real there, Right? It's no less real there. And, and, and I feel like oftentimes we have so over-spiritualized our future eternal hope that we've taken, a, we've taken away the realness of it in such a way that I would rather put my hope into this thing that I can feel, see, and touch because this may be the only time that I can experience that versus look towards eternity that is no less real, and I would say more real, right? That what The hope that we have in Christ is more real than what we experience now. Yes. Uh, when we pray, a lot yes. of times I'll experience that, like you pray for healing in Islam or a miracle, 
but yet you know there's a greater miracle yeah. in the eternal. And so you have this tension of, I want this, Lord, but I know there's something far greater than I'm even praying for. Ab- like 100%. <laughs> but, but the tension comes from our lack of understanding about what we're actually not missing out on, right? Because we fear we're missing out. And that's where, that, that's where that tension ultimately comes from, is that you think that this is the best life you'll live, right? Like you've been fooled into thinking that this is the best life that you've lived. And you ask about the suffering in this life, and you ask about the troubles in this life, and why does this suffering happen, or why does that suffering happen? And the thing that, that I think that we ought to realize is that when we stand in eternity with Christ, the best moment here compared to that, would look like suffering. The best moment there, here, would look like suffering. Like the best day ever here. When you stand in eternity, that hope fully and completely realized. Just like the, what Christ said to the thief on the cross, he said today. Today, yes, yes. He described it one word. Yes. Such a hope that we have in this resurrection. I think so many times we, we don't credit that hope in, in ways that we should. And because of that, we live our lives um, holding too tightly to this one, right? Like clinging to it uh, too tightly. Now, I'm not saying don't waste your, like, don't be wasteful of your lives. Don't be wasteful of your time. Don't be frivolous in the way that you live. Like, like this life is important because the life that you live here has effects into eternity, right? The resurrection itself is, is, an, is again a reminder of that, right? That this is the same Jesus, right? He's like, it's ah, right? It's myself. Like, like consider that, right? So um, let's continue on. Here they give him fish in 42, verse 44. Then he said to them, um, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. So again, memories from prior to the resurrection. So this resurrection body um, has memories that can um, go back past into the into the uh, life pre-death here. So these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses... And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So again, he's opening the word of God to them here. This is a hope that we can have that like um, there are questions, there are things that I don't have answers to, and there will be things that I don't have answers to this entire life. We will sit with Christ and he will open his word to show to us the realities. There will not be a valid question asked that he cannot and will not answer for us himself, right? Do you think right here, Landon, that this was a click moment for him? Oh, man. When they were sitting with him, and he's res- he came back to the resurrection. He's walked with him. He's ate with him now. And he said, oh, by the way, remember that stuff I taught you for three years that you semi-faced? Yeah. <laughs> you this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is how it's going to play out. And Moses told you it was going to happen. Isaiah said it was going to happen. I explained it to you, and nobody was listening. Guess what? Here it is. It's like, how many times does it take? (laughs) Do I literally have to come back from the dead for this to click for you? Yes. In this this case. So he's been telling them this, and now he's pointing out again 
at verse 45, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, like, in verse 45, what happens here? So, like, he's opening the word to them. Verse 45, then he opens the, their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, y'all remember the pre-Pauline Creed, right? A couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, note what he, like, he's dropping these insights to them here, all right? And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, that's the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem and great joy, um, with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So um, what we see in verse 50 um, through 53 here, um, just keep that in mind. We're going to, we'll, we'll kind of hit this same, uh, this same event when we go over into Acts. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to dig too deep into it. Um, at this point, um, we have, I think about a minute probably before the bell rings. Um, let's look, let's go over to uh, John chapter um 20. So flip over John chapter 20. We're going to be looking specifically here just at um, verse 11. There's a couple of things that I want us to kind of point out um, in, in this particular appearing of Jesus. So um, John chapter 20, verse 11. We're going to read 11 through uh, 18 here. So, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. What? What? Like, whenever I read that, I'm like, how does that happen, right? How does it happen that, like, you're looking for Jesus, and you totally miss him when you see him? Because that's what happened. Like, she turned around, she saw him, and didn't recognize him. Or, like, she, it's like the angels had her threw off. Like, that was, like, she was spun for a complete loop when there were angels in there, and she's trying to figure that out. And then she, she sees, she sees the angels, she turns around, and it's like the Lord of angels is standing there, and, um, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. So, a couple of things to note from this, right? Is that, like, when, when you think about what this resurrection looks like, and when I say that, that the resurrected Jesus looked like a regular Jesus, a regular person, no frills, no bells and whistles that like stood out. When your follower who's looking for you and your body sees you and doesn't know that it's you, presumes that you're a gardener because you're over there where the gardener would be, you're mistakable 
Because you're not floating, hovering, spiritual, blinding light. You're in a physical body, right? Like if she had turned and this was like transfiguration type moment and she sees glowing light coming from the garden, she doesn't ignore it like it's the gardener. Jesus is in a physical body. She wasn't anticipating seeing him. Why? Because dead people stay dead. Why would it be Jesus standing in the garden? Right? Exactly. I'm looking for him in death garments. Not standing in the garden. Right? So she's not anticipating that it's him. So like she's distraught in this moment. Where's his body? And then she looks and sees a guy and it's like her brain says that must be a gardener because it looks like a normal man standing over there. Right? No halo around, like no glowing light. There's not like, you know, like angels hovering around, like humming or chanting or anything like that. Regular old Jesus resurrected standing in the garden. She mistakes him for a gardener. What happens though? So, um, verse 15. So, verse 14, she didn't know that it was Jesus, even though she saw him. She wasn't looking for him, right? Um, verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are, you weep- why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, <laughs> could you imagine being Jesus in this at, at this point in time where it's like she's, <laughs> she's like, where have you put his body? He's like, yo, <laughs> like have a second look, and he kind of does, right? Um, so Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you why are, uh, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away. Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Right? So, like, there's, like, you can tell by the, like, wording of this because she turned. So she's not had her focus locked on him. She supposed he was a gardener. She's having this conversation probably in her peripheral with this guy that she supposes is a gardener. He says her name. And it clicks. Like, that's Jesus. He said my name, and I've heard him say my name before. She had heard him say her name before, right? She said her name, or he said her name, she turned. And as she's turning, like she's, she recognizes, right? Jesus said to her, Mary. I can imagine it clicking in her mind. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, so like this next verse, verse 17, um, he said to her, don't cling to me. So like what happens? Amazed for joy, her reaction to that is to run and wrap him up, right? Run and wrap him up. So a couple of things that I want us to point out from this, um, just kind of supplementing kind of things that we've already looked at thus far, is that Jesus' voice that they had heard him speak with prior to the resurrection, when you hear Jesus' voice speaking your name, it will be the same voice of the same resurrected Savior that said Mary, and she recognized his voice. Right? Like when he said Mary, it's like your mom calling you out in the grocery store or whatever when you're getting in trouble. Landon, I can imagine mom saying it, you know, like as I'm like being rambunctious or something. It's like you don't, like there could be 50 Landons around and the, the one Landon that their mom said Landon knows which one it was. Right? Like if I say Adrian, 
There could be a, there could be a dozen Adrians here. And if I say Adrian, she's going to know my voice. When, 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 I, when I call out to the woman who was my wife in this world in eternity, she will recognize my voice. Right? When you call for me from across those streets, I will know. Oh, that's Shane. Where's Shane? That I heard him. Right? When he calls for me, I'll recognize his voice. Right? Because here's the thing. like One of those hopes that we get in the resurrection is like, I know that a lot of us, like we lose people. That's what happens in this world. People die. Those who die in Christ are not dead. And we have hope to see them, to speak with them, to spend time with them, to commune with them. Like, th- there is no loss in Christ, right? Like, that is such a, a great and amazing hope. Um, I'm going to just finish up this, this run of text real quick. So, she turned, she says, Teacher, in Aramaic, verse 17, Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he said these things to her. Uh, we'll, close, uh, we'll close with that. I will close out in prayer. And then...